Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I love that Missouri song. Show us your power. More Missouri. Show us your glory. <laughs> More Missouri. Show us all the time. All right. Thank the Lord. We're so glad to have each of you here today. And as usual, uh, oh, I, I hate that, as usual, but as for several weeks now, I've been giving you a report of my wife, and she did come home this week. She arrived Wednesday, and she is using that wheelchair like a vehicle, and she had been driving for 20 years. She's all over the place, and we're very grateful that uh, that benefit has been allowed her to, to do what she's doing. She does have a doctor appointment this week on her leg, and she is hoping and praying that the healing is taking place, that she'll have far more than 30% use or ability to put weight on it. She's not able to do that. She gets awful dangerously close sometimes, and uh, uh, she has to be hollered at in a very quiet voice, of course, and uh, we appreciate what the Lord has done for her. Um, because of my wife, uh, her husband as well, we had a daughter. She was number five. She was a baby. She's Gwen, and that daughter's son is with us today from Winsville, Missouri, and I'd like for him to stand, and uh, he just loves attention, and uh, you may be, this is Jason Doyle, and uh, you may welcome him. Uh, I will have to tell you that his mother gave him and his brother a wonderful Christmas present that they received yesterday. In March, yes, they got to go to see the KU basketball team, which won and now is on the way to the tournament. And speaking of having a great tournament, here comes Brother Harold, our associate pastor, and he's going to take the rest of the service. Quite a segue there. <laughs> Yes, you got to see a great game, didn't you? You even got overtime, so there you go. That's good stuff. Um, just a couple announcements. I guess, first of all, we'll start with the ladies um, who were here last night. I know you were probably out a little late, so if you're sleeping today, we're going to know why. And then we might have to put some restrictions on them big party nights. But uh, the ladies were here last night and had a good time from what I heard. Um, do, do remember just a couple of announcements, I guess, along those lines. Men's meeting will be March 19th, so here in a couple of weeks, uh, 5 o'clock here at the church. So keep that in mind. Also in your bulletin, um, there's a youth camp insert, so um, there's some different, a couple of different dates there. And if you want to work, there's a couple of different contacts in there where you can uh, email them and let them know if you're available to work. But we got camps coming up for ages 6 through 11. Uh, and then also 12 on up. Um, so check those dates out and uh, let your friends know, and we can get some people together and, and go to camp. Um, and then the other announcements, March 20th, uh, Ladies' Bible Study will begin here at the church, 4 o'clock uh, on Sundays. So 
Look at your calendars and mark that off. Four o'clock on Sunday, starting March 20th. It'll be a, a study on Elijah. So uh, I guess be in prayer for that and get prepared. And is there any other announcements? Okay. So I'll be ordering the books for that. Um, if you were not at Bunko last night and want a book, let me know. They're uh, $17. If that's an issue, just talk to me about that. But um, they're $17, uh, and I'll be ordering the books this week so we have them in time to give out on the 20th. So if you weren't here last night and want one, let me know. All right. Let's all stand. We'll uh, have a time of prayer here this morning. As we go into service, if anyone has prayer requests they want to make mention, go ahead and do that. I need to continue to pray for Sister Joanne, of course, who's home now recovering. We did hear last week that the, the uh, Internet did work uh, correctly for everybody, so we're happy our providers have got their issues, I think, straightened out. So, <laughs> any, other, any other prayer requests? No, we good. Unspoken requests, raise your hand. God knows each heart. All right, let's pray this morning. God, we come to you at this time, Lord. Thank you for opportunity to gather this morning, God. Be here, Lord, and we just know that uh, you're meeting here with us, God. have a couple ushers come up. It is first Sunday offering, so it's pastor's love offering. So I want to remember that. We'll be giving to him and his family at this time. Um, do keep keep them in your prayers. Continue to remember them. And um, if you have a, a different need that you want to give towards, just mark it on the envelope or on the check, and it will go towards that. So let's pray again. God, we thank you again, Lord, for this time. We ask that you will uh, bless this offering, God, that you will be with it and uh, multiply it, God, and just continue to watch over the pastor and his family, Lord God, and their health, God, and as they travel, um, we just uh, know that you are with them and just continue to direct, direct him, God, and minister through him as you want to. In your name we pray. Amen.
right, something I forgot to do. Sister Joanne sent me a uh, text yesterday and wanted me to read it. So it says, I will sure be glad when I can come to church again. I'm doing okay. My leg has really been hurting Friday and Saturday. I wish there were words to tell the church how much I appreciate your encouragement and prayers. One day I will be standing up front uh, there and tell you all thank you. But until then... Um, please know that you are all in my prayers every day. God bless you all. So there you go. That's from Sister Joanne. All right. She's probably watching, so wave at the camera as you stand to worship. <laughs> Anybody thankful for his amazing grace this morning?
promise in his word is true. Every promise in his word is true. And I'm so thankful in this world where you can't count on anything. You can count on our God. You can count on our God and his word will not fail no matter what happens to the grocery store prices or their gas prices or any other prices in this world. Our God is the same. He is faithful. He is true and always with us. I'm so thankful for that this morning.
you'll never leave us or forsake us, God, and we are holding to that promise. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated as our pastor comes. seems like we could sing that song forever. God is so faithful. And it occurs to me that there are some of you here that may really feel that way also about that song of how God is so faithful. And I, I think, first of all, I want to acknowledge a couple people that are here this morning that, and this is probably a mistake on my part because so many could be acknowledged, but there are a couple people here that do things on a weekly basis or ever several week basis that it's subtle to the degree, to the eye, I, to some eyes, anyway. First of all, there is a lady who is assisted by her family that every so many days she preaches a different sermon. Uh-huh. No, it's not her. But it could be. But on our church bulletin board on the North Brighton Street in front of our church, we have a beautiful church sign that Brother Sisters designed many years ago to go with our church. And there is a little saying on it, not every week, I don't think, but ever so many days, and it preaches to thousands of people that pass back and forth on North Brighton. And I have, when I drive up to the corner out here to the signal line, I, I'm always looking, what does this say today? And you that pass it, you probably experience the same thing. I am so very grateful for that word that goes out. Believe it or not, we occasionally get an email about something that we have that has been presented on that uh, sign out there, that little saying, which is a powerful one. It's always got a spiritual 
connotation to it, and it's tremendous. We'll get to the rest of the story in just a moment. The second one is subtle. Sometimes maybe you pay attention to it. Maybe it just grabs you and you think it's the way it's supposed to be. But have you noticed right in front of the pulpit here today, we're already in the Easter, and we have a lady and her daughter that do a lot of work on this, Susan and Sarah. And I appreciate them so much. And you can sense the love of what is happening in the seasons. I don't do this very often, but I would like for Sister Carol and Sister Susan to stand and give them the warmest applause that you know how. And, and the next, you may be seated, and the next time uh, we do this, we want to give you a pay raise, so would you clap twice as long next time? <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And, and I know you have family that helps you, perhaps others. I want you to know that I personally notice it, I thank you for it. Sometimes the pastor's door looks like there's a grand office back behind it. And uh, I want to invite you in and decorate it, too, if you want to, Susan, but uh, it wouldn't take long. <laughs> thank you so much. And our song today about God being faithful certainly... Uh, prompted me to feel gratitude to these two ladies and their entourage that helps them in mother whenever they use them and, and there we appreciate them very, very much as well. It is good to see all of you here today. It's most of all, it's good for the presence of the Lord to be with you and us all together in this place to receive from the Lord. I'm beginning today with a thought that somebody could say it's a, a morbid thought, but I certainly don't mean it to be a morbid thought. I mean it to be a thought that prompts you to a height that perhaps you're not at or you are at and you want to maintain. And that thought is, at the end, how do you want to be remembered? This thought came to me very forcibly this week as our weather was so nice and I remember one day going out into our backyard and I looked around 
And all I could see was the beautiful leaves from last year that was on the trees. They're not there yet. But I remembered how they looked. I looked across our backyard, which is an interesting backyard because there's about an acre and a half pond uh, that's in it, and then acreage behind that. And I don't want anyone to think that I personally own it. I, it belongs to my son. He just allows my wife and I to live there, which we're very grateful for. We have a beautiful place to live in. And on the east side of this pond is a earthen dike. And it is uh, it's beautiful, made of dirt. And uh, it's got trees that you can see now. You can see it when the trees are loaded and the brush is full. You can't see hardly anyone walking by on that particular uh, dike that is there. If you were to walk it and you were going south, you would look to your west and you'd see water, and quite often you'd see uh, occasionally a turtle. We don't invite turtles to live there, but uh, sometimes they come in from... Johnson County, I guess. And then to the east is the lower uh, ground where the uh, dike is and uh, its foundation is, and it's way down there, perhaps about 25 feet or so. So it's a, it's a good high earthen dike. It's a beautiful site to me right now because I can see through it but I also remember what it's like and what it will be like when the leaves and the brush grow up and as you can walk through there and you will see uh, the different blooms from the trees the redbud trees are beautiful through there somewhere in there we do not know where it is, we have never located it. But there's a spot that the blackberries fall off from some vine somewhere. Honest to goodness, we have looked for that vine, and we don't know where it is, but don't walk on them because they'll get the stain on your shoes, and you can carry it into the house in which you will meet your maker not too long after that if you get it on the carpet. It's, it's there. What a sight. The way I remember that. It's beautiful. I also remember a place along there that I definitely had to remember. And it was a place I wanted to make a fishing spot and so I went to get some tools to shovel and weed out and so on. And my daughter-in-law came along and got on to me. And she says, Dad, 
That is filled with poison ivy. Get out of there. I did not know there was poison ivy there. I can take you to the spot today because I remember. Then there's a story. The man's name was Jim Trussell. And perhaps some of the young men in this congregation would recognize that name, maybe not. But he, along about 2003, was the coach of the University of Ohio football team. And that particular year, they won the national championship. And they were well regarded in being the strength and power of collegiate football at that particular time. But before he sent his team out to play in the national championship game that particular year, he had a meeting with them. And he asked them the question, how do you want to be remembered? Well, obviously you can imagine <clears throat> that most of them had an answer that they wanted to be remembered as champions. And, and uh, the psychological part of that question really, it really worked. <clears throat> but I'm applying that particular thought today to us in a spiritual way. At the end, how do we want to be remembered? Let us begin first with the Apostle Paul as he wrote a letter to his godson, so to speak, Timothy. And this is recorded in second division or the second letter of Timothy at chapter 4. And the verses that I want to come from are verses 4 through 6 because the Apostle Paul is near the time that he is going to lose his life to be martyred and he's giving Timothy some words about how he would like to be remembered. He says for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which, Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all also that love his appearing. There are two or three things I would like to mention to you about the very first verse of this text of Scripture that I'm ready to be offered the time of my departure 
is at hand. The word departure has three applications of meaning in the New Testament. The word departure can mean leaving the battlefield. In other words, the battle is over. It's time to go back home. And don't you wish the Russians and and the Iranians could say that today? But in the New Testament, this definition, departure, has that meaning. The battle's over. It's time to go home. And certainly the Apostle Paul could have been using that connotation himself as he has said, the time of my departure is just right around the corner. It's time to go home. The second definition or application of the word departure is one the Apostle Paul was very familiar with, and it's one that is even used to this day and time. And that is pertaining to a ship. It didn't exist back then, but cars, airplanes, trains, all have departure time. And of course, that is construed as meaning the time to leave. And then the third part of departure has this particular application and that is to leave the burden of life behind and go on to be with the Lord an application that is even used in our funerals today the time of departure is at hand and so here we have these thoughts and we have the scriptures that the Apostle Paul in the letter that contains these thoughts to Timothy. Here we have what Jim Trussell just a few years ago said to his football team, how do you want to be remembered? It was about Oh, I suppose it was about 12, 15 years ago. I was in the state of Tennessee. My wife and I were uh, living in Paris, Tennessee. This was actually my birthplace. And not too far from Paris was a cemetery, Springville, Tennessee, it's not on the map, I don't think, nor uh, is there a city limits signed up. It's just an area now. At one time, it was a community. There is a cemetery. And in the many years that I had visited this particular area to visit relatives and so on, I had never returned to the cemetery. In fact, I didn't know where it was at. I had to ask. And uh, the person explaining it to me uh, realized that I needed a guide. 
And so they went with my wife and I out to the cemetery. And as I remembered when we got to the cemetery, it had actually was probably about three times larger than what it was when some of my relatives had been married there. And uh, in fact, it was in two different locations, even though it was three times as large. And obviously, I knew it had to be the older part of the cemetery. And so I said to the person, as I remember, and mind you, it, it, I probably had been a teenager at the time I had last been there. I said, it is in that direction, and I pointed. And they let me out of the car, and I probably walked a quarter of a mile across that cemetery to the place I thought it was, and to my genius recollection, that is where it was. They all gave me a kind of a cheer for that, and I took it, even though it was just luck, I suppose, that I went to the spot. But there was the tombstones dating back to the early 1900s, dating back to the late 1800s where, when some were born. And then there were some tombstones whose names on it was long forgotten in our family. And I was able to see them. And as I began to look at different names, I seen some of the members that was even re related to the congregation that we pastored. And in fact, there was one that was uh, to be put there, wasn't there yet. And this particular lady was already over a hundred years old. And uh, it gives you an idea, her husband had been there, uh, been placed there way before my time of going there as a pastor, probably about 50 years, uh, she had been a widow. But after all, she was over 100, so, you know, you don't have to do too much math to figure that out, that he died a long time ago. And I began to think, <clears throat> as I remembered these various people uh, some I had never seen, just heard of. Some I had seen as a very young person. And in remembering the names, I remembered, oh, that guy, yeah, he was the guy that, oh, yeah. And I dismiss it from my mind because not too much to remember or want to be remembered there. Then on the other hand, there was others that you remembered so well. Well, not to be passing judgment on them, because that belongs to God. As a matter of fact, let me read you that scripture right now. It's in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It says, As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So it didn't matter what I thought, and it didn't matter what others thought. It's what God thought. And as I looked at those 
uh, tombstones that was in the uh, uh, Spring Hill or Springfield uh, Tennessee Cemetery. I thought to myself, well, that is, that really is old right there. That person was born sometime in the 1800s, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, here we are in the 2000s and it's, it's still standing. Of course, it would, should be, would be. And all I could do was recollect in some situations many of the old parts of that cemetery. I, I had no recollection of what it was about at all. To be remembered, it wasn't important to those people that had been put in there at the time that they were put in that I would come along many years, many, many years later and try to remember what is important to them, what is important to you and I is how we're remembered from our lives to the Lord in this day and time that we live in. What about your departure? We don't know how we'll live and leave this world, but there is one thing about it. We will leave this world. The Apostle Paul illustrates something in his letter that is so important to you and I. And that is that we have fought a good fight, that we have finished our course, that we have kept the faith. And so when we die, we indeed leave a legacy that man may remember, but more importantly, that God will remember. In Forest Park, Illinois, that is a suburb of Chicago. There is a well-known cemetery known as Forest Lawn. And in this particular cemetery, there are many well-known people of various things that they've accomplished in this life. And one of those people is a great man who lived a life, his latter life, about 20 years, as a minister. I don't know if you've heard of this man or not. Uh, you may be thinking of somebody like Billy Graham, Dwight Moody, and he would be in that category, but it's not him. His name is Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player. He was a man that played baseball and was to a degree very successful. But somewhere before he hung his cleats up, as the expression goes, he became a Christian and God called him into the ministry and so he prepared himself for the ministry. And a minister in the sense that people like Moody and people like Billy Sunday, or Billy Graham, rather, they went from 
countries to countries, and they went to places that that uh, they would be able to have big con- uh, revivals in, in uh, auditoriums and theaters and amphitheaters and so on. He led many people to the Lord. And he left a legacy that was certainly one that a person could be proud of. And on his tombstone, it's written, Don't feel sorry for me. Only feel sorry if your sins are not forgiven. What a legacy he left. He was, as our, our bulletin board on the street is, he was still preaching. And I think of the scripture that we have read in our text this morning. The last verse, which says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So I ask the question at the end of our lives, how do we want to be remembered? We could be a little bit, I guess the word would be blasé and say, well, it really doesn't matter to me what people think of me. Well, there's a degree of truth about that. I... uh, I, I realize that uh, maybe that there are a few people that we really don't think too much about how they remember us, but on the whole, I think most of us want to be remembered well. And so as I restate that question again, how do we want to be remembered. Certainly in the spiritual vein, we want to remember as a per- be remembered as a person that loved the Lord. But let's take it a step beyond that. At the end of this life, how do we want the Lord to remember us? That's more important than anything else. I think about the words here that the Apostle Paul is using. He said in his spirit, in his letter writing to Timothy, he says, I know that there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me. He was also very uh, thoughtful and aware of the fact that it just wasn't he who was expecting this. But He said, you, and you, and every one of us, when we get down to the end of life, let us have an expectation that it is going to be a greatest event that has ever happened in your life. Now, I personally have had great events that have taken place in my life. 
I re- my first sermons and to become a minister was a great thing for man. To get married, have a beautiful wife and lovely children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. What an event that that has been. The year that I became a bishop in my ministry, that, that was a great event. The years that I was appointed to different churches, even the overseership as state bishops and regional bishops, what a great event that has been happening to me over the years. But the greatest event is yet to come. I never know when it's going to come. This last Tuesday, as many of you know, I have a defibrillator in my heart. And a few times it has boomed inside my being. And it's, it's a very uh, notorious, scary feeling when it happens. And they have assured me if it goes off as in the manner that I feebly uh, told you, uh, it's a good thing, especially if I'm telling about it a little bit later. And this Tuesday, it happened again. I don't know how many times it's happened uh, since I've had it in my, my body, perhaps seven or eight times. And as I was standing at our island and preparing some food, I believe, it happened again. Tremendous sound that only I hear. A tremendous thud, if you please, that goes off in my heart. I realize what the practitioner, the doctor, heart doctor, told me. Uh, not to be alarmed. It's a good thing I know I've heard it, because you see, my heart has stopped, and it has got it going again. Well, unless you've walked there, you're not real sure that how that really does wash. But it's a good thing. As a matter of fact, my granddaughter was. Maddie was the first one that came to me after I hollered and there was a hole or two in the roof in the house from my hollering that she came and found out what was wrong with me and as I talked she was on the phone calling my son and he asked her is he able to talk, is he standing, can he walk, can he do this, can he do that and of course she told him yes. And Grandpa, Chuck says you're okay, that there's not anything to do. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, let's call in ambulances and let's call in angels and different things. Uh, Surely there's something to do. But as it turns out, if you go ahead and you're able to function, you're okay. And so I sat down. And my granddaughter finished my supper. I ate a little bit, not much of it. 
I know one thing, if it, this thing went off at every mealtime, I'd lose a lot of weight real fast. But the fact is, it was scary. But at the same time, I realized that somehow in man's technology, I continued to live. But the thought that came to me was, am I ready to go? And I thought to myself, at the end of the day, as this was at the end of the day, that I was ready to go. Didn't necessarily want to go because, you see, Wednesday, this was Tuesday night, Wednesday, my wife was to come home, and I know she would want me there. As I think about these things and presenting this sermon today, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, how will it be for you? How will it be for me? I do not take glory in the story that I tell, but I give God the glory for the ability to tell the story. They did not want me to do anything for two or three days, and so I've kind of been confined. They didn't even want me to drive up here today, so they sent my grandson, and uh, he was so sleepy driving because he had had such a big day at the KU ball game yesterday. I'm kidding you, he, he's wide awake, he talked a mile a minute, and that was 47 miles for him to talk, so he, uh, he talked and did a good job. I thank the Lord that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, how I want to be remembered. My answer to the question is, yes, I want to be remembered, but more than anything else, I want to be remembered by the Lord Jesus Christ and to be taken home. Because I realize one day when this goes off, uh, it's not going to come back on again. In fact, I'm told in about 10 years from the time it was put in, I'll need a new battery. But at the same time, they don't know that programmed digital piece of data. Uh, what if I live nine years and 11 months and it goes down and they say, oh, you wasn't scheduled till next month. I don't, I don't understand all that stuff. I noticed Sister Lisa, who works in cardiology, she's sitting real calm through this. Bored, probably. I don't know. No. She understands more about it than any of us, I'm sure. I want to be remembered. The Apostle Paul says, this is how I want to be remembered. I want you to know I've got a crown of righteousness. The Lord is going to give it to me. But it's not just for me only, it's for the rest of you as well. Yes, indeed. At the end of the day, we want to be remembered of the Lord, to be in the Lord, and to go with the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? And as we come to the close of this service, I know that practically everyone in this room knows the Lord. What I would like for you to do in this closing prayer with me
As a matter of fact, I, Brother Steve, I would love for you to pray the closing prayer, but I'd like for us to have a group prayer, prayer here. And this group prayer, let us pray that, Lord, we want to be remembered, and you know how you want the Lord to remember you. I'm not going to put words into your mouth. Let us all pray together, and then, Brother Steve, if you will dismiss us from that point. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, that we can live and serve for you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you're there, never leaving us, never forsaking us, oh God. We want you, Lord, to touch every life. We want my life to be touched as well. All those that are on our, in our online ministry that might be hearing us here today, I pray, God, that you would just touch them in a special way. We're all going to experience the day of departure. Lord, we're going to experience that moment in time. We, Lord, want to be remembered most of all by you and be a recipient of the crown of righteousness. Blessed be your holy and righteous name, we pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. Brother Steve, if you will pray our dismissal prayer. Thank <laughs> you.